This episode is brought to you by the Young Farmer Business Program, an initiative of the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries. To help you get the skills you need for the office, not the paddock, visit youngfarmer.nsw.gov.au. Thanks for tuning into the Future Farmers Network Mentor of the Month podcast, where we hear from industry experts about their career journey, the highs, the lows, challenges and opportunities, and everything in between. As always, we'd love to get your input in these conversations, so please send your questions through or head to our website to get in touch. We'd, uh, we'd also love your suggestions for future guests, so let us know if you love to hear from any inspirational agricultural mentors, and we'll do our best to host them on the pod. Uh, without any further ado, I'm pleased to introduce today's Mentor of the Month, AJ Riley. AJ is Principal and Part Owner of Ray White Rural Roma, specialising in rural property and livestock sales. After growing up in Tamworth, AJ went north in search of wide open spaces, working as a jackaroo outside of Julia Creek, northwest Queensland. And following that, AJ started as a livestock salesperson for Ray White in Roma. AJ's been in the industry since 2015. And after just three years, went into partnership with Jack Clancy in 2018 by purchasing half share of Ray White Rural Roma. Um, so welcome, AJ. Thank you, Dan. We'll, uh, we'll start off with something a little lighter. Um, easy question for you. If someone was to play you in a movie, who would it be and why? I've got a pretty left field follower uh, for the thing here, the channel here today. Not many people know him. Um, his name's Jack Elam. He co-starred with a lot of uh, Western movies with uh, John Wayne. Just a pretty cool old sort of larrikin uh, around a lot of the uh, movies of John Wayne. Just a pretty cool old sort of guy. So uh, he's my choice for the, the movie role. Consider yourself an old gunslinger, do you? Yeah, the old off the side of the hip, six shirt <laughs> sort of style. <laughs> well, uh, very good. <laughs> um, AJ, tell us about where it all started for you and, and how you got to where you are today. Well, I spent a fair bit of time as a little kid Thomas Sayards, the, uh, my old father Donnie, he was a cattle buyer by trade. Back then, so I spent a fair bit of time on the Sayards there. And then I went up north for two years once I finished school. Uh, did a bit of ringing and mucked around up there chasing a few bulls and and uh, rode down on that. And then I went to a wedding when I come back. Second year I was up there, I went to a wedding and a fellow offered me a job at Ray Watt and Dorigo. He said I had a bit of a part share there. I uh, followed the name of Michael Jackson. And I went up there on a, uh, just an interview for the day and poked around there and looked at a few cattle and that and then talked to Bruce Birch and he offered me a job here because a job came up in Rama here. So I come up here Australia day 2015 and did a two-week trial living out of the uh, caravan park and for two weeks and then yeah, I was here probably oh, eight or ten days and then Jack came and saw me and said, if you want to be full-time, the job's yours. So um, I'm actually at Feed and Hate at the time actually when he asked me. So I said, yeah, that'll be lovely. So we, um, yeah, started here with Ray White then. Yeah, nice. So if we go back to um, the the couple of years up north, what was it always an obvious choice for you to do that straight out of school or what motivated you to go up there? Yeah, well, Dad always sort of said to go up there and get away from sort of Tamworth and all Barry and sort of come to Barry a little bit after that, but just to get away from home and go and do something up there. And my cousin, he was up there in the Territory for a bit and he sort of really enjoyed it. Um, so that's to go up there and... Um, yeah, a fair bit of work, pretty hard work up there. So we worked a fair few long days and teaches you how to work a bit too. You get up there and you get up at four o'clock and get home at six and seven o'clock and 
Um, yeah, you do some big days and it sort of probably does help you a bit once you're out of school. Going to school for only eight hours and muck around a fair bit like I did at school. So got up there and there's um, yeah, a lot of new people. Didn't know anyone obviously when you went up there. But they were pretty good in the station. They were family sort of bit community there, a lot of them. Was it um, was it hard for you to come home? Like, did you love it up there enough to stay up there for longer? Oh, I would have done if I, yeah, I would have probably stayed up there, but then I also wanted to go do something else. I wanted to go to America, rodeo, and I was meant to go to uni. Mum was a big stickler for that, but I said, oh, that won't be happening <laughs> after going up there. So, And then, yeah, I was going to go to America, rodeo for a bit, but then I ended up yeah, getting a job instead, so I never really got the chance to do that. But Otherwise, I probably would have went back up there, but it's a fair way from everywhere, but... It was good when you're up there. When you're only young and you've got no connections or ties or anything, it's it's pretty good that you can sort of do whatever you want. What was um what would have been your most enjoyable part of, of working up there for the couple of years? Probably how you worked with a fair bit. Like it was I suppose you work with the same people all the time but always doing a few different jobs, but everyone was pretty good to work with and then you're always doing something different, like if you go ball catching a few days or you're mustering or go ball running or lick running, it's sort of yeah, every, every day wasn't ever the same, so you sort of got to do a fair bit of different stuff and preg testing and mm. yeah, a little bit like you got to do a handful just to muck around at the end of the day there just to try a few and branding was always pretty fun. Plenty Especially of, if um, one got in head bar or something like that, you had to go and or something, that was pretty good. Except for about the fifth or sixth one you always knocked up. <laughs> plenty of uh, plenty of variety in the day for sure. Um, so I guess if you think back to... Um, you know, when you were finishing school or heading back up north or even prior to that, is is where you are now somewhere you thought you would end up? I probably didn't think I'd be in a in a half shared partnership with, with anyone at this this early in. I just sort of thought I'll, I sort of always used to muck around a bit there, auctioneering that at the sides there in Tamworth there, up on the mic there when I sort of a bit bored and that and Dad always sort of said, Ever go Dubbo or Roma if you want to go be an auction uh, livestock salesman auctioneer so I sort of yeah it was good to come up here and always sort of wanted to go at least either here or Dubbo just because they're sort of bigger centres and a fair bit on but yeah I wouldn't have, I never really thought I'd be uh, in partnership in a business sort of after only sort of three years but yeah, it's just worked out pretty lucky yeah so what were, you, what were you 23 when you bought in yeah 23 yeah and yeah. how how much thought like that's a big um Big step for someone who's 23. Oh, um, it is, yeah. I think I was still working up north when I was 23 <laughs> um, with no sort of education or anything, still trying to work out what the hell I wanted to do. So um, how much thought went into that process and, and I guess was it, you know, was it frightening? Probably was a little bit starving. Again, we were out the hay and Jack asked me if I wanted to buy in because Rob Willemuth, he was looking at um, moving moving away and I just rang mum and dad up straight away and dad said I said oh you better buy in he said you better take that opportunity and I sort of I didn't really look at any of the books or anything like that but the business was going right it was pretty tough in a few years there just because of the, the drought and that but I suppose you only get opportunities like that once in your lifetime really and I had a little bit of money saved up because I was going to buy a house and I thought well, this would be better than a house make you so, more money than a house yeah <laughs> yeah so I sort of didn't really have any yeah, no second thoughts at all about it all. And didn't really think about it all. Just said, yeah, jump in. So who was, was it um, your old man, Sir Don, who was the, the main motivator for getting into it? Or who, who sort of drove you to, to make that call? 
Yeah, he was well, mum sort of. Yeah, dad probably the most, but he was sort of, I suppose he's been around it a bit. Mum just sort of doesn't worry her too much. She says, as long as you're going right and you're happy, we wouldn't worry her too much. But yeah. dad was sort of probably the biggest thing about it, behind it, to say, yeah, you, well, if you get an opportunity like that, you better take it. And he said, they well, they backed me in a little bit there and I got a bit of a loan, so um, stay behind me the whole way anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty, yeah, and I didn't really need to ask any questions, really. Yeah, good. What, um, I mean, looking back now, being a few years into the ownership side of things, is there anything you'd wish you'd known um, before you took that step into, into business ownership? Probably the only thing is a lot of the um, the book bookkeeping side of it, just all the in-office, all the behind-the-scenes sort of things that you don't, I never saw before that because I was just, you know, I suppose, just getting paid a job and, um, a wage that you don't ever see behind the scenes what what you've got to do and make everything add up and balance the books and all sort of yeah work to a um, like your profit loss and just work all that out and where you're going to be in another month or six months and to work out how you're tracking and that which is something I didn't know anything about until this but yeah Vicky was very good with that and the officer the office lady we've got she was very good helping me out with all that how to, yeah, how it all worked and she should have walked me through that for probably the first year in business. Once I bought in, she sort of, yeah, sort of helped me out. Sort of like a second mum, but Vic was really. And were you surprised um, at the amount of time that did consume, having to do all that sort of back office side of things that you wouldn't have had to have done as an employee? Well, sort of knew it to be a bit because Rob used to, he used to do that side of it and he was always at the office there. He was doing a fair bit of property stuff there too, but always there doing a lot of longer hours and that in the office there so but I suppose I never really thought about it though what it'd be like when you get offered you don't really think about those sort of things because that's not at the front of your mind but, mm. but yeah, yeah I suppose yeah I never really thought about what you'd have to do at the office there when you all that paperwork stuff because I never really saw it so mm. never really knew about it yeah fair enough um why do you do it why do you do what you do what what gets you out of bed in the morning and well debt gets me out of bed in the morning at the moment but um, fair enough that's a, the, that's a fair gym, motivator for most people but um, I suppose you just get to go and see a lot of different places do a lot of different things and working with cattle has sort of been a pretty big passion of mine ever since I was a kid sort of growing up dad mum had sheep when I was a little uh, they sort of up to five or six then we sort of got out of sheep went into cattle in a big way so always been around cattle and Selling and buying a lot of cattle, or dad used to trade a lot of cattle, so we we're always sort of doing a lot of that. And um, so always sort of been involved in cattle, so I suppose there's no better way to get in than try and sell and buy via an agent. Yeah. Sell and buy for your clients, or. Yeah. So. Do yeah. you, um, I mean, we've had uh, we've had a pretty tough couple of years in Roma, um, as has a lot of the Eastern Seaboard with the. Um, cattle market and just the seasonal conditions and things has it presented any sort of challenges for you that um, I guess you weren't expecting getting into it or all know? that drought was look, it was hard on the um, producers obviously as well and it can be pretty hard on us too just like you obviously you can't make some ends meet but it all changed around like it is now it's everyone's making a fair bit of money now but yeah, I suppose always highs and lows in every business. You really, you really would have bought in almost at the, at the start, start of that yeah. drought. It was good before really? and then it went drought. Yeah. 
and it was yeah we didn't it was uh, pretty tough there the first probably 18 months and then it's all changed around now it's going the other way so yeah that's just yeah Jack sort of said it'll be highs and lows the whole way through so yeah you go to lose the money to make an heap of money so yeah here in the long year in it the, the more you'll get ahead anyway yeah sure yeah um uh, as a business owner, how do you prioritise work life balance? You got a fair few commitments outside of work. What are you the um well you're vice president of the rugby club, yeah. President of the cricket president club. President of the cricket the club. Leprechauns. So the leprechauns. Um so how do you find time on top of a busy enough work schedule to sort of fit all those things in? It's very difficult. Um I do sometimes get up at two or three o'clock and go and do a bit at the yards to try and get to the gym in the mornings or um, especially cricket mornings and that too on Sundays, even Saturdays before we go away for footy. Just, I suppose just get up earlier and well, sometimes go to footy train and go to work a bit after, back to the office and just to fit it all in. But yeah, not very good at time management because there's so much which, going on. But... Which leads into the next question. Do you have any uh, time management tricks? Now, I don't know if anyone on the line has um, too many stock agent friends, but they'll probably be able to tell you that they're notoriously late for everything uh, if they turn up at all. Yeah, but yeah, so, always late. Except when we're going to see a client, we're always on time there. Right. Or well, he's on a schedule. Yeah, but after, right. Other than that, it's, uh, yeah, always late. Or five minutes always ends up being about half an hour. <laughs> yeah. If anyone says it'll be in five or ten minutes, always half an hour with us. Yeah. You get hung up somewhere or get on the phone. or Yeah, five-minute job's always a half an hour job. So um, maybe something for you to work on in the future, your time so, management, yeah. be a bit more realistic about... Everything, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah very good. Um, tell us, AJ, what are you most proud of in your career today? Probably the biggest thing would be uh, when I did buy into Ray White, I was the youngest uh, principal within the Ray White brand itself. Overall of Australia, I was the youngest principal in the um, I think Liam Liam is now, but um, but yeah, so ever, ever or yeah, at that time, at that time, like ever, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yep. I think Liam he was a little bit younger, he was twenty three as well. That's yeah, Liam, yeah, Kirkwood, Kirkwood, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, yeah, youngest at twenty three, youngest principal in the um, Raywat brand, and I'm pretty sure it was the youngest at the time, like ever being a principal of the, yeah, the right. Raywat sort of banner, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Mm, so that was pretty good. Did that? Um, did you feel any like extra pressure with that title or not? No, I didn't really know about it till a little bit after, and I had an article go out. One of the Ray White things about it. I didn't even actually know about it. But yeah, right. So so no, no pressure. <laughs> then. I didn't even know. So uh, yeah, that's no, fair enough. It's um, it's pretty impressive, but mm, no, it is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Um. Hey, tell us uh, about a lesson you learned the hard way. Uh, the, probably the uh, thing being like a livestock agent, generally your first offer is normally your best offer. And I didn't take an offer on some cattle at the sale yards there once and um, tried to sell them and we lost money. So I ended up having to pay the vendor out of my own pocket what um, we did get offered first. I don't know, it was a... It was a little bit of money, I don't know how much it was, I can't remember, but yeah. So it all counts. Yeah, so I had to pay him, well, pay, we paid him out what the first offer was. Yeah. Um, yeah, just obviously being a bit younger than I thought I could get a bit more money, but it turns out I couldn't. 
So I, I uh, paid him out of the, the top money we got offered. So, um, yeah, just a little lesson I did learn a few years ago about that. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, buying into Ray White at, at, at 23 is very impressive and being the youngest principal across all of Ray White Australia is, um, is even more impressive. Um, what's, what's your experience with mentors and sort of did you have one through that process, be it, be it formally or informally? Um, probably Jack probably would have been the biggest one. Probably even since I started, I did probably a lot more with Jack than I did with Rob, just um, we going on the truck with Jack. Or Jack Clancy, Clancy being yeah. the business partner. Yep. Yeah, now, yeah, probably um, did a lot more with him and Jack has uh, been around a fair bit of the uh, livestock industry. He sort of did 25 years with Nutrien and well, Landmark then, Nutrien now. I think he did 23 or 4 moves in that 25-year period, so he sort of saw a fair bit of country. Well. And... Um, has got a lot of stories. A lot of them, I think, they actually all are true. And what I've uh, <laughs> what I've gathered over the last five or six years, he's told me numerous stories multiple times, and all been the exact same result. Um, but yeah, Jack was very big on honesty, and um, yeah, that's one thing Jack is probably the most honest person I'd actually ever met. Um, yeah, no, Jack has been very big mentor for me, even with auctioneering. That he's sort of because um, we have a little tape recorder and a tape every time we sell and used to play it back and so that was good he used to yeah he sort of got me into doing that um and then even yeah just drafting cattle and that um yeah so it's been pretty he should have been my main mentor anyway yeah coming through and do you call on jack now um i mean obviously you got a pretty good relationship with him do you call on him for any sort of advice or anything outside of work or it's or it's all mostly sort of just all sort of work based really yeah Forgot anything else, I just talk to mum and dad a bit really or yeah. some of my silly mates, but um <laughs> yeah, most of just all sort of work stuff for Jackie. I know we talk four or five times a day, so sometimes three minutes, sometimes fifteen minutes, but yeah. Mostly just all sort of yeah ha- stuff. Has yeah. it made the whole process um of, you know, this business ownership and stuff and taking that leap um, a lot more manageable, do you think, having Jack there and your parents there? Yeah, it has made it easier. At least you've got well, a few people that have been around the industry for a fair while and makes it a, um, a little bit easier to, yeah, if you do struggle with a few things or you've never come across a few things before, at least they sort of have been there and can tell you or show you what to do a bit. It sort of gets you out of a few... Uh, few problems mm. that you could get stuck in yeah yeah for sure just been good um tell us what like in your opinion what do you think the biggest challenge is to young people in the ag industry um you know now and, and moving forward because well, i suppose agriculture industry is sort of gained a fair bit of movement over the last probably five years um the drought obviously doesn't help but um has got pretty big especially the last three or four years but over the last five years and property sales in that country making a lot of money, probably the biggest challenge to any young people now is actually to buy into the agricultural sector. If you, like family-wise, you can get in, but anyone just wanting to, um, who hasn't had a, um, a family property or a bigger family property that wants to get in and try and buy a bit of country and trade a few cattle or sheep or a bit of grain and that, um, I suppose the biggest, the hardest thing is just getting enough back behind them to buy in. Like I know mum and dad bought in, I think they were on 27% interest back in the late 
late 80s, but I think they would have borrowed the whole amount for the property and mm. they would have been on 27%, that's a massive percentage. Still made it work. And made it work and they can get 25 3% or 3.5% interest and you wouldn't be able to get half the loan they got to get that. So it's just, and you've got to have a fair bit behind your yeah, asset-wise or, yeah, just to, to get in, which is probably the biggest, yeah, just getting the younger people back in or buying in. But, yeah, there is a lot of families that um, have sort of subdivided or buying more country and so the kids can have a um, pretty good start. But, yeah, if you aren't lucky enough for that, it's, it is tough enough. But So what are you – have you got cattle at the moment? Like are you leasing yeah, or adjusting yeah. any country? Well, yeah, it's just a little couple of box around Rama here. But they're only like 100 acres, 200 acres, only about 15, 20 cattle or something. It's all nothing. And does it, does it pay for you? Like, is it is it working out for you? Oh, I wouldn't say it pays. It's just a hobby. Yeah. And only that sort of number, it's something really a hobby and yeah, yeah. just something to do. So you, but you're not, like, it's not to the point where you're making enough money to continually build it, even if it's over 10 or 20 years or something? Like, you did. Oh, if yeah, you probably could over that sort of period, but it's a long time to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a long time to do it. You really just got to try and buy a few assets and yeah, what you can afford, and then just get a few and then sell them out and go bigger like that. I mean, it's probably about the yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, unless you can get a bigger leasing a country, and because you can borrow a bit of money for um, livestock purchases, if you can lease a bigger bit of country, you could probably get in a bit bigger that way, just in number wise. But yeah, just these little blocks that you won't ever, you probably won't ever get enough to um yeah over a longer period of time you probably can't but so for you would you ideally um end up back on like in your perfect world would you end up yeah back on the land running running a few cattle or sheep or whatever it might be ideally would yeah Yeah. maybe five or ten years without loving but yeah and in order to do that you just make your wealth elsewhere through you know your your agency or something in the agency that can get a heap of assets just try and get some assets and some yeah Gonna be the easiest way or the best way to do it. Yeah. Get some assets behind me and then then you can go in and unless you takes yeah. the bank out of it a bit then they don't question as much and certainly uh, yeah, it certainly is a big challenge for, for young people in the industry at the moment. Um and is is only going to get tougher, I think, moving forward. Um, yeah, land property is going up in value and I suppose they're not making any more of it. No, no. So it's um yeah, it's an interesting one. Um <clears throat> So tell me in hindsight, what message would you give your 20-year-old self? Now, you're not too far past that at the moment. but no, um, just, baby, just over 20. Still only a baby, baby yeah. But, uh, you know, I imagine from where you are now to a few years ago, at 20 years old, you've probably covered a bit of country and done a few different things. So what, uh, what advice would you give yourself? Probably if you wanted to do something that was... Um, a little bit out of your comfort zone, probably do it when you're younger. Or if you want to go travelling, go see other parts of the world or go to something a little bit off centre, yeah, you'd probably get in and do that while you are young and you've got no ties and mm. can go and, yeah, you are sort of pretty free still. Yeah. Before you do get um, into a sort of permanent job, just, yeah, go and probably I wish I'd, not only wish, but it would have been good if I did go to America radio for a year or just to go and see that part of the world. Um, I don't regret not going over there, but it just would have been something mm. that I would have liked to have done. And um, It does mean I still won't be able to go and do it, but it just makes it a bit 
We're just not as uh, easy time-wise to go and do it, I suppose, now. Yeah. But yeah, it's probably just... Yeah, if you ever want to go and do something, you may as well do it while you're young and, and then you, you're not tied down. Take the opportunities yeah. in front of you. Um, tell me, last but not least, if you're stuck on a desert island, uh, who or what would you take with you? Take one of my old buddies, uh, Kyle Big Smith, uh, only because he uh, can drive a helicopter or fly a helicopter, I should say. Um, so, yeah. Kyle and, the, uh, and his helicopter, we'd be able to poke about, do a few uh, pretty cool things, I'd imagine. But uh, You reckon you could live without your phone then? No, yeah, actually, it'd be good, yeah, because it rings flat out now, so <laughs> I wouldn't have to worry about it. And, yeah, no, we'd be able to live without that. That wouldn't worry me one bit at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, very good. Thanks, AJ. Um, thanks for your time today, and hopefully um, a few messages in there for, uh, for all the listeners. That's it for this month, guys. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts via Facebook page or on Twitter. So look forward to bringing you another enlightening and motivating podcast next month. Um, and again, we'd also love your suggestions for future guests. So let us know if you'd like to hear from an inspirational agricultural mentor or, or non-agricultural, and we'll do our best to host them on the pod. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out Propagate by the Young Farmer Business Program. Recorded in locations across New South Wales, it explores the business of primary production and the people who make it happen.